coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. New downloadable skins for Patrick and Mark in their skivvies. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellis. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We have got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including everything out of Nintendo's shareholders call. And then on Thursday, we are going to be coming up for coming up with new jobs for Toad and whatever games would be built around that new job for Toad. But Mark, in the meantime, how are you? Doing good. I'm really excited because mm. today and Thursday... Yes. We are guesting on Playing Favorites with Shane Lennon. That's right. Which, if you don't know, is a show where Shane has guests come on. They talk about a movie, like why they like it, what it means to them. And then they reenact the movie off of memory. Right. Uh, and, you know, usually uh, with, with, with a comedic bent, uh, you, don't, you don't try to reenact it as faithfully as you can. Sure. Right. It's a little bit of screw around time. Uh-huh. We did this uh, a couple years ago, maybe? Right For the time Star that, Wars. Yeah, for Star Wars uh, 1977. Uh-huh. Not any of this special edition stuff. <laughs> uh, the, the original cut. And then, uh, yeah, so this time, Mark, what did we do? The Empire Strikes Back. Of course we did The Empire Strikes Back. Um, so if you are listening to this right now and you want to hear Mark and I talk about Star Wars more, because sometimes we talk about Star Wars here, uh, you can check out Playing Favorites with Shane Lennon um, and hear us talk about uh, The Empire Strikes Back. We uh, rag on um, people hating The Last Jedi for a while. And I, I, uh, Shane let us know that we were also ragging on the trailer for Ready Player One oh, for a while. Oh, that's right. Yeah. This is a long time ago. We yeah, recorded we recorded a long time ago, and yet it's still topical. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everything is still relevant. Um, so please uh, check that out. It would, uh, we, we would love it. I'm sure Shane would appreciate a, a couple of listens there, too. Um, so... Thank you for that. Um, Mark, have you noticed that you've been getting new friends on your Switch? Yeah, there's been a slight uptick. A slight uptick uh, for me as well. I love it. Thank you, everyone who's yeah, been sending so us friend requests. Yeah, thank you so much. It was so much fun. I turned on my Switch, had like five new friend requests. Yeah, and you're like, five new friends. We'll include our friend code, of course, in this episode and mm-hmm. Thursday's episode as well. So if how, you how, many weeks, how many weeks did we pledge that we were going to do Two, but we should just keep doing it. We're there's just going no to keep it rolling. Too. I like getting the friend requests. Me too. Um, another thing that I like, Mark, Mark, is that we have been getting uh, suggestions for our upcoming episode about the top eight RPGs on Nintendo platforms. Right. Happening August 2nd. Happening August 2nd. And that August 2nd is the actual day of the episode, right? Right. So I think you will want to get yours in a little bit early. Right. Do it now. Why wait? Do it now. Uh, Thank you so much already to Stephen, Alex, Colin, Lewis, and Dustin for uh, contributing their lists. Um, There's some good lists in here, Mark. Oh, also... Uh, last week, of course, we ranked definitively mm-hmm. the worlds from Super Mario Brothers three, and uh, we, we had did some, a great job. We well, I mean, it was definitive. So right. whether we did a good job or a bad job is immaterial. Um, but we had a Twitter user reach out to us with their list. Um, Ooh. this is at Zelda two A O L. Okay. Um, and their list is number one is Skyland. 
Number two is Desert Land. Number three, Giant Land. Number four, Grassland. Okay. Number five, uh, Waterland. Number six, Pipeland. Number seven, Iceland. What? Number eight, Dark. How? Land. It, okay. So I like a lot of this list. I do not understand how Dark Land is at the end. I I get it. I mean, even though we enjoyed mm-hmm. the punishment, yeah. Uh, it is a lot. It is a lot. That is true. And requires a lot of you just throwing yourself at it over and over again, making sure that you have all the right resources to tackle it. Okay, maybe maybe I see it. But I love it. But way to go putting uh, Skyland right at the top. Yeah, I mean, when you're right, you're right. Yeah, This is what I'm saying. All right, uh, Mark, you want to get into what we've been playing this week? Let's do it. Patrick, tell me about Pocket Rumble. Okay, so Pocket Rumble finally came out after a year and a half of delay. Um, and uh, it's good. It's hard. Um, the The game is uh, very easy uh, to approach. It's a one-on-one uh, fighter in the vein of uh, Neo Geo Pocket. Um, so it's just two attack buttons, uh, and everyone has the same special move inputs. Um, that you're either pushing down for down and forward and light attack or or hard attack and then down and away and hard attack or light attack. So everyone's uh, there are only eight characters in it, but it's uh, like imminently approachable and everything sort of like transfers over from one character to the next. So like you know there are differences between them, but everyone ha- there's there's a commonality between the characters that isn't common in most other fighting games. Everyone has the same amount of life. Um, life is more like you have notches instead of like a, a, a health bar that kind of goes down gradually. Um, and the game is just very fast, very responsive. Um, and uh, some of the, I, I, a couple of the, the first couple matches I played online, um, I was getting some kind of like lag that was breaking the experience. But as soon as it sort of settled into a solid connection, um, it was fun. Everyone playing this game is good at it, um, which I guess makes sense. Uh, it just every now and I, I feel I feel overwhelmed <laughs> at times uh, going online and playing. Um, but it's fun. I'm I'm really happy with it so far, and would like to sink more time into it. Uh, my girlfriend's parents were in town this weekend, so I haven't had as much time to play as I would like. But it's here, Mark. Yeah, and it's only ten bucks. It's only ten bucks. Um, one thing I discovered, uh, so I was playing it in handheld mode and, excuse me, in handheld mode, it has these scan lines to make it look like a, you know, an old, um, whatever the screen would have been on a Neo Geo pocket, like some weird, who, who even knows, right? Um, and the scan lines look great in handheld mode and I tried putting it up on the TV and it just like, it's like too blocky and too ugly, even really to like deal with at all. Um, but, uh, there is in the options, uh, menu, you can set the scan lines to like zero. Um, and then it just looks like a nice, like pixely game. So, uh, this is, but this is the only time that I've ever been like, oh, I don't know that I want to play this on the big screen because of the way it looks blown up. Um, so even knowing that I can set the scan lines off, I've still been playing it mostly in handheld mode which is uh, not typical for me on uh, Switch games, even on something with a more, um, you know, like 8-bit or 16-bit art style. 
Uh, I, I tend to like throwing those up on the screen and just basking in the huge blocky pixels, um, but not not with this. Um, so uh, something else I did this weekend was I put together some more Labo. Oh wow! Uh, so this was a this was a girlfriend's uh, parents and girlfriend and myself, the four of us, uh, an activity for the four of us to do together. We built the fishing rod. Um, and the, uh, it, they, the, the base that the switch itself goes in, which they call the ocean. Um, and it is fun to build these things. Yeah. What did girlfriend's parents think? Because they are, you know, like <laughs> mm-hmm. older people, maybe not even, they, I mean, they are in fact not older people. really the switches target audience. I would say definitely not Labo's target audience. No, but I, I mean, what is the, what is that? What yeah. Is well, the what is Labo's target audience? I'm, I'm not even really sure. I, I, I would be interested to know if like kids are into it, um, but like it's some of it is complicated enough that you're like I don't know that a six year old would dig this or like not get frustrated by it. Even the fishing pole. Even the fishing pole. Yeah, I mean it's the uh, it 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 claims to take like ninety to one hundred and twenty minutes, and I think we ended up you know almost it took us almost two hours to do it. Like we started it, uh, went went to brunch, came back and finished it. Oh, that's pretty hefty. Yeah. I, I guess I was expecting it to be more on the side of like the um uh little the cars, you know, like maybe like thirty minutes. No, well, is, how are, long are did you... it take us to build the piano? The piano the piano they say takes uh 120 to 180 minutes, two to three hours. Yeah, because I mean I'm I'm you have the fishing pole here and I'm looking at it and it looks complex. Yeah. I it think is. my on, just like expectation was that it would not be that it would yeah. I didn't think it was going to take that long. There's, there's like a string that goes into the base that the uh, thing sits in, that the switch sits in. But like, also look, there's this like telescoping part of it. Like, oh, pull, yeah. pull that out. Oh, I see. Uh, and then there's like a, a whole reel that you can like actually crank, and it makes mm. a little clicky noise. Mm-hmm. So again, that's all cardboard and you know string and stuff. Um, so like it's it's complicated and just fun. Like it's like I know I've said this before about Labo, but it's like putting together a puzzle. Um, and then so everyone had a good time. So everyone had a good time, and then uh, had a little bit of fun playing the fishing game that you actually play with it. It's of course sh- the most shallow thing that you'll ever play, <laughs> um, but it's still like uh, Anne, Sarah's mother, was playing it for like half an hour, and then we're like, okay, Anne, we. <laughs> gotta go <laughs> but it, it's it's neat that it's uh it creates these sort of like arcade like in-home arcade experiences where you're like oh i'm i'm interacting with a a controller and the screen in a way that i wouldn't normally be able to um with uh you know whatever controllers and stuff are, are normally in in your house uh that's fun it was kind of a quieter like gaming week for me yeah i wasn't playing anything new i was mostly like Played a little bit of Splatoon 2, played a little bit oh, nice. of um, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, w- played a little bit more of Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, still trying to get all of the, like, K levels. Yeah. Um, and there was one that I had, like, stopped on weeks ago because I just, like, found it so vexing. Mm-hmm. And, of course, this time when I, like, booted back up, I yeah, get through it. Like, I was right like, through. why was this hard the first time? What was wrong with me? <laughs> um... But yeah, I'm really looking forward to, well, I guess we can get into it, but just like there's a couple of like media experiences coming uh, this week that I'm looking forward to having something like big to play again. Yeah. Well, and this is, uh, and we will get to that in a second. Um, 
but I have also been playing a little bit of uh, Mario Tennis Aces and, and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe as well. Um, and it is, I, I love how rewarding it is to go back to these games from like the recent past and just like play a little bit more of like the games are built in such a way, you know, not, not Odyssey and not Breath of the Wild, but like in a, in a way that is so easy to go back and like play a little bit and just really have fun with really good games. Yeah. There. So like, there's a lot of stuff I haven't done in Odyssey Yeah, and I love just running around in the world of Breath of the Wild, but I did not do either of those games because I feel like the muscle memory of the controls have been lost yeah, for me. Sure. And like, I would have to regain that. And that's not really what I want when I'm like, oh, I have 20 minutes. I'm just going to sit down and play something. Right. You want to play Mario Kart, which is going to be in your fingers forever. Exactly. <laughs> um, and Breath of the Wild also has a thing where like you for- kind of forget your way around. Um, like when I was playing that game, I knew like I knew paths. I knew I just I knew how to get around in that game. Um, and I feel like if I were to go into it now, I would it would feel like a little bit of an alien countryside. And I know that's what I liked about it in the first place. Um, but it, it wouldn't have that same sort of like stickiness the, that it did when I was playing it a ton. OK, uh, that's what we've been playing this last week. Uh, but let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. All right. Today, July 10th, um, Shining Resonance Refrain comes out. I had played the demo for this a couple of weeks ago. Right. And you are going to... Not buy it. Skip it. Yep. Um, 20XX yep. is out. Yep. 20XX is a game that I'm interested in. It is a Mega Man-like... X-types game? Or? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's it's kind of... Uh, it plays a little bit like uh, one of those Mega Man X-Zero games. Um, there was a, a trilogy of them on Game Boy Advance. Um Except this has a uh, simultaneous two-player co-op, uh, which is, you know, like a dream come true. It's exactly how you want to play, like, a dumb little action game like that. So I am really looking forward to 20XX. I got to play it some at the PlayStation Experience last year um, on PlayStation, of course. Uh, but since it's coming to Switch, I am, that's where I'm interested in grabbing it. Uh, anything else from today that you wanted to call out before we move on? Um... No, there is a Hotel Transylvania game coming out today. Monsters Overboard. Monsters Overboard, um, which is what, like the third movie in the mm-hmm. uh, Hotel Transylvania series. Um, I don't have any interest in this other than it's uh, like, I don't know. I it, It's nice to see like those kind of like terrible cash grab ports coming to Switch that they're like, oh, yeah, the market is for everything and everyone can be here. Uh, and then on Thursday, July 12th, uh, Bomb Chicken is coming out. I feel like this is the third week in a row we've talked about Bomb Chicken. I think so. you're right. Um, but let's just move past Onward and Upward. Uh, Johnny Turbo's Arcade Express Raider. The Neo Geo game of the week is The Super Spy. Not A Super Spy and not Super Spy, but The Super Spy. And then on July 13th, uh, Captain Toad Treasure Tracker is out on both the 3DS and the Switch. And of course, Octopath Traveler. Um, which I'm planning on picking up. Yep, as as am I. I think I have to buy both of these games. Um, because Sarah, out of the blue, we weren't even talking about video games. Just said to me, "You know what I'm excited about? Captain Toad." <laughs> so I think I need to buy it again. I think I need to buy it again on day one. I feel like portable Captain Toad is a pretty good proposition because you guys have the Wii U version. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, uh, I know. I know. When I played all the way through that game, like cleared it out. Well, it'll be fun that there are some new uh, puzzles yeah. in there. And honestly, I will play all those old puzzles again and relish the opportunity to do it. So Octopath Traveler, I am excited about. Um, Reservations? Well, my worry is always with these like mm. throwback RPGs is that the throwback elements are going to kind of like wear on me after yeah. a long period of time. Like random battles, even in the demo, I was a little bit like, ugh, you know, okay, I get it, but right. why? Um, and so I d- so that aspect of it, I'm a little not like super pumped about. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it for sure. I- I'm looking forward to it too. And I'm not looking forward to it in the way that um, well, I feel like with so many games, I'm looking forward to getting it and like mainlining it and loving that. You know, that was that was my experience this year with like Detroit and with God of War um, and last year with Odyssey and to a lesser extent, Breath of the Wild, because Breath of the Wild, we played for a long time. Um, but this is a, a game that I also feel like I want to play a little bit you know, every night or take some nights off and just have that world and that experience gradually unfold for me. Yeah, I'm excited to experience it, but it's not like it, it's not like I'm hyped to extreme levels. Right. Yes, yes, I agree with that. And th- that's a very like comfortable place to be. <laughs> yeah, to to realize that you don't have to go all in on everything. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then also nice. on the 13th, the Splatoon 2 Pearl and Marina Amiibo are out. Okay, now, speaking of all in on everything, you know that I already have these pre-ordered. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they will be delivered to me, presumably, on uh, the, on the 13th. Fingers crossed. Maybe I have to pick them up from Best Buy. I don't know. I don't remember how I, how I purchased them. Hopefully I'd, you get to pick them up. I prefer pickup if you're trying to get... Uh, me too. If you want to like make sure you get it that day. Because then it's like you're in control. Yeah. Then uh, you're not waiting for FedEx or no. like, or uh, like USPS. Tr- yeah. Or like track or on track or whatever it's called. Uh, oh, don't get me started on all. <laughs> I won't. DHL. I won't. Come on. <laughs> all right, Mark. Uh, let's get out of the new releases. Now it's time for a regular segment on our show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, today we are having one of those, like, would-you-rather superhero-style conversations. Would you rather fight the Joker or Thanos? Mm. This feels unwinnable, no, it, no matter which way you go. So it's more like, how do you want to die? Ugh. Yeah. So if you're fighting Thanos, there's a very good chance and you're gone. Uh-huh. Right? Um, but is that worse than if you're fighting the Joker, which means it might be protracted over tens of years? Right. Right. right? And it's yeah. going to be like... Um, you'll always be miserable, even when he's quote unquote gone. You're like looking over your shoulder. Right. You is know he he's still, gonna be he's back. He's still out there. You uh, know it for sure. Is he's he gonna kidnap your loved ones and like put you through horrible stress tests to like make you laugh or something? <laughs> I still don't get the killing joke. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, I think in that, if you're just asking, how do you want to die? By Joker or by Thanos, I feel like the answer is by Thanos, hands down. Right. Right? Yes. I mean, he's going to snap you out of existence. Or 
if he's uh, un infinity begauntleted, um, he is like a giant of a man and would just crush you, like right? Easily, like, yes. He's easily and quickly. Yeah. He doesn't seem to take any pleasure in making people suffer, right? No. N- yeah, it doesn't seem like it. So in this case, are we saying, would we rather have like, look, not that we won't put up a good fight. Sure. Right. R- right. And like, well, we'll- and this, so this is, this was the, the, the kind of pivot point for me is that like, I do feel like there is a version of reality or like a, uh, a set of circumstances where I could defeat the Joker. Yes, I think uh, the you are more likely to be successful against the Joker than you are against Thanos. Yes. Because the Joker, for the most part, doesn't have like any supernatural or like magical ability. Right, right. I mean, if, if he does have magical ability, it's the same sort of like magical ability that Batman has, where it's just like, for narrative convenience, he's always exactly where he needs to be. Yeah. Um. But you know, like in the real world, uh, you know, I can get a, I can buy a gun, I can take shooting lessons, I can, uh, you know, take some drugs to calm my nerves, so that like when the Joker's around, I can, you know, draw fast and shoot straight. <laughs> I feel like I could take down the Joker if, if pressed. However, however, I don't care how much training or what kind of equipment I've got, Thanos is going to destroy me. We all saw Infinity War, right? <laughs> Also, spoilers for Infinity War, I guess. But yeah, he kills, like, everyone. (laughs) And those people have superpowers. Right. Or a lot of money. Right. Also, now that I'm saying it, uh, that, like, you could go out in a snap of a finger, it seemed like it was a painful experience for Spider-Man. Yeah, that's right. He was not happy. No. As he's being ripped into maybe another dimension. What's happening to them there? We don't know. No one knows We don't know. They're being, like, blinked out of existence. (sighs) Okay, okay, okay. Uh, if we are in these respective, so if we're fighting these villains, uh-huh. does that mean that we are in their respective worlds? So if we are fighting Thanos, does that mean that we are in the Marvel universe? Does that help you in any way? Um, well, cause then you get to choose sort of what world you get to live in. If you are being hunted and have to fight, uh, Joker, does that sort of implicitly mean that you're in Gotham oh, city? That does not sound fun. I do not want to live in Gotham city. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, or really, the DC universe doesn't seem super fun to be in. What's your favorite in DC universe city? If you, like, if you had to pick one to live in, what, what, where would you live? Mm. Bloodhaven? <laughs> <laughs> not hip enough. No, definitely not hip. I'd go to Coast City, man. Yeah, I'd go to Coast City, too. I understand that we live in Los Angeles. We live in Coast City, yeah. effectively. Okay, well, there we go. <laughs> All right. Live in Coast City. We're, we're honest. Maybe Central City. The the gem cities, you know, you don't you don't you don't care for them. Who wants to live in? Uh, isn't that like supposed to be St. Louis? I mean, no, like big ups to everybody in St. Louis, of course. <laughs> well, we'll never know how Mark feels about people in St. Louis. Uh, we were accompanied today by the Victoria Symphony, as conducted by Tanya Miller. Uh, Mark, let's move into the news. All right, so Nintendo held their 78th annual shareholders shareholders meeting on Monday, and naturally there's um, some like news trickling out of that. Uh, speaking about 2018 games, mm-hmm. so a shareholder asked about the possibility of like continuously releasing what they called attractive software on the Switch. Uh, now former Nintendo president 
uh, Tatsumi Kimishima answered that the company is, quote, not yet at the point where we can announce our entire product lineup, including the products that will be released during the holiday season, end quote. Weird, right? The sort of implication that there are other big first-party Nintendo games that are going to come out this year beyond Smash, Pokemon, and Mario Party, right? Like, those are already three pretty big titles. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, So I feel like there, like we talked about last week, uh, there could be a 3DS title, right? You know, that they are holding back. The one last 3DS game that's mm-hmm. going to get us the all gut back punch. to 3DS. Yeah. Historically, they've had a direct in September, mm-hmm. and it, would, it wouldn't shock me to see something uh, happen there. I don't know that it... I mean, I guess, like, in the context of the question, they're talking about first-party games. Yeah. I, I would guess that that's what it means, too. I, and especially because it's attractive software, because I, I feel like... We're, we're all kind of waiting right now for the other shoe of the classic edition to drop because this is about the time when that happens. And maybe it won't this year. Um, but, you know, uh, it is the time for a N64 classic or a Game Boy classic would make a ton of sense. Um, but he specifically says, or it's specifically about attractive software. Well, and maybe, you know, uh, some of that is whatever they have planned for the Nintendo Switch, like online. Yeah, sure. Uh, actually, speaking of which, the service, the online service launches in September, but even though it's like halfway through July, we still don't know a ton of details about it. Yeah. Uh, For example, we don't, they, we only know some of the, some of the games that are being offered right away, like half of them are still a mystery. And we don't really know like what the online functionality of those things are. We're still not, we still don't know if you're streaming these things or downloading them. Right. Or like how that will work at all. Yeah. Uh, so this was brought up in the forum and again kimishima answered saying quote we should be able to give you a little more information as we get closer to the official launch in september our aim is to provide consumers with a variety of ways to play and the ability to use the system in a more convenient way i will have to ask for your patience until we are ready to discuss any further details so we're going to find out more sometime between now the middle of july and launch Sometime in September. I mean, I guess really all it takes is a 20-minute direct sure. that they can drop at any time. Sure. I just, I, it just, it's crazy to me that we don't know more about this thing. I wonder, I guess, like, Nintendo obviously tends to hold a lot of stuff close to their vest. And then they like to, at what is, in a lot of ways, the last moment, just, like, reveal everything and have it. Uh, out there right yeah. before like a product launches. Do you find that that is an effective way to manage like hype for something? Do you think that's an effective way mm. to market something? Um, so I do think that there are some ways that that is an effective way to market, right? Like if we are speculating about what a product is for a long time, um, I think that just makes us more excited about the product. The difference here is that the online service isn't a product, it's a service, right? And in a lot of ways, it is just making up for what isn't there, but that is standard on the other platforms. Um, so I, 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 I almost feel like it does them a disservice. Like if, if they were able to say like, here's what the online service is and here's all, the th- all of the things that it's bringing you, here's what it looks like, blah, 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 um, that it would assuage some of the 
uh, I don't want to say anxiety necessarily, but like we don't know. We don't know. We don't know exactly what this thing is. I think that's true. I think, um, but I also think that like we talked about in our E3 episode Mm -hmm. and you had a really fancy word for it that I can't remember, but just this idea that like we're constantly craving new information. Neophilia. Neophilia. So if they had announced like all the details of Nintendo Switch online service when like May or whenever it was that they first talked about it, it's like all of that gets so lost because it feels like not a few months, like a million years ago. Yeah. And so when it actually launches in September, it already feels like old news. Like um, the an example of this for me is, you know, every June, Apple reveals their next like operating system. Yeah. And then in the past couple of years, they've been releasing like betas and even like public betas. So you can download that operating system to your device in June, even though it's not officially released until like September or October. Yeah. So when it's officially released, uh, it feels like who cares? Like yeah, you're yeah, yeah. already waiting for iOS 13, right? Right. right because right, right. you've you've had iOS 12 for a year, uh, like for like six months at that point. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I suppose it is also possible that the uh, online service isn't enough of a like uh, it's, it's you know single punch to really break through you know, anything, uh, you know, in the lead up to E3, like it was just going to be drowned out by everything else that was being announced during that time. And then during E3 itself, like Smash was obviously their their centerpiece. And even now, like we're going into San Diego Comic-Con and like all these other big events and maybe, you know, they just needed to be a little bit quieter so they can be like, by the way, here's what you can do with the Switch Online service. And now you have to pay (laughs) pay for the right to play online. So a little bit more news from the uh, shareholders meeting. Speaking of indie games on Switch, Nintendo is not looking to slow the release of indie games like anytime soon. Uh, Senior executive officer Susumo Tanaka said that the company is targeting between 20 and 30 games per week, which is a lot. That's a ton. It's a ton of games. Uh, nin- what, what are they doing now? Like We, we, we ignore a lot of uh, games on the new release list. But it's it's something in like the like about a dozen games that come out every week. They're talking about like doubling that. Um, so it's a lot of games. Uh, Kimishima added, "We are currently working towards reaching fifteen hundred software titles developed for Nintendo platforms u- using Unity. So Unity alone, fifteen hundred thousand titles. Just fifteen hundred titles, not fifteen hundred thousand. <laughs> oh yeah, that's, that's a, a lot. That more. would be a lot more. Uh, fifteen hundred <laughs> titles." So, I uh, I think it's great to have a lot of content available on Switch. You, uh, you it, worried about bloat on this? I'm, I'm not worried about bloat. I'm worried, like always, about discoverability. Yeah. Um, it, I I think bloat is really easy to ignore as long as the cream rises to the top. Yeah. And, but that's of course a, the problem for any platform. Right. Ever. Everyone has a hard time with curation. Um and. Yeah, I mean, I, I know uh, Nintendo's obviously been, like, tweaking what their online store looks like, um, and I hope they continue to, you know, develop that with uh, this influx of 20 to 30 games every week. How are you going to find 20 to 30 games every week? How are you going to find the one you're interested in? Right, because, I mean, that is, isn't that, like, more than is even on the recently released page? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So every day is a brand new page of recently released? Kimishima continued to toe the company line about mobile games raising awareness for Nintendo IP and driving users back to Nintendo platforms. Um, 
Regarding monetization, Kimishima stressed needing specific plans for each game. Quote, we want to offer applications that meet consumer demands while pursuing payment methods, which consumers find to be fair, so that this can grow to be a pillar of our business. Uh, interesting, right? Uh, that um, we've seen them approach it in basically every conceivable way so far, right? Um, and I know, I know what my preference is. My preference is I pay for it once and then I can play it as long as I want. Mario Run was the perfect model for me, but I know that it's not for other people. Uh, you know, people were very upset to have to pay ten dollars for Super Mario Run. Um, so I don't know. I, I guess it's it's smart that they're exploring a, a bunch of different options. The thing that I thought was interesting about um, his statement is that he's still like still saying that like the point of the mobile stuff isn't to make money on mobile games it's to make people buy switches and 3ds's and play play games with the that ip on their hardware yeah it i mean it, it makes sense because nintendo has always been a company about like controlling their own platform yeah and they don't control you know your phone or your tablet or wherever you're playing these games um there is so much money to be made in mobile gaming though yeah yeah that I wonder if, like, eventually there will be more of, like, a a middle ground or, like, new IPs that spring up, like this one that's forthcoming. Oh, yeah. Um, Is this some, like, kind of JRPG kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. you know, that it's, like, uh, it, it just becomes, like, its own thing. Yeah, I mean, it's so, like, it seems, like, what does that tipping point have to be? Because, like... Fire Emblem Heroes is making a ton of money, and obviously Pokemon Go is a phenomenon. Pokemon Go is a phenomenon. Like Nintendo is only like tangentially related to that. Sure. And Fire Emblem Fire Emblem Heroes makes a lot of money, but not relative to other like sure, other gigantic games mobile that, yeah. games. Yeah, it makes true. like a respectable amount. Right. Um. Yeah. I don't know. Mobile is such like an interesting nobody. Even though Nintendo has released like three, three mobile games at this point, Animal Crossing, Fire Emblem, Mario, I still I still don't feel like Tomodachi Life, or oh like Mitomo, Mitomo, yes. And we're anticipating the Mario Kart game. I still don't really feel like I have a good grasp on what Nintendo looks like on a mobile platform. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, topic near and dear to my heart: theme parks, Super Nintendo World. Uh, is coming to Universal Studios Tokyo in time for the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. Actually, I think the Universal Studios Park in Japan is in Osaka. Oh, sorry. I made that uh, mistake. And he also talked about it's eventually coming to Orlando and Hollywood. Uh, he said, quote, the question was raised if we are planning to pivot into becoming a sort of giant profit-seeking conglomerate organization, but we would rather grow profits as a result of continually challenging ourselves to generate new value rather than investing capital to expand our business. We have licensed Nintendo IP and are working together with Universal Parks and Resorts and Universal Studios Japan on this collaborated project. We are also discussing a variety of other developments that would make active use of our IP. So I feel like what he's saying here is like, we're not going to get into the theme park business. We are going to license our properties. Right. Like we're not going to get into the movie business. We're going to license Mario to a company that we trust. In both cases, Universal at this point. Right. Um, to help expand our business without us moving out of our core competencies. Right. W- without like making the business expanding the business. Right. That they're going to continue to do what Nintendo does, which is make cool stuff. And then other people can uh, also make cool stuff 
uh, around it. Uh, oh, okay. Um, I almost forgot to put this in, but we talked uh, right around after E3 about um, Panic Button saying the developer of like po- uh, Switch ports like Skyrim mm-hmm. and Wolfenstein 2. They said they had another one to announce. Um, and we were all like trying to guess and figure out what it was. And this past week, they announced that it's uh, not, Warframe, not GTA Five, <laughs> not GTA Five, <laughs> uh, Warframe. Yeah, what is Warframe? It's a free-to-play, like third-person shooter, basically, like loot-based okay. sh- shooter. It's uh, has been explained to me as almost like a free-to-play Destiny type game. Okay, so more loot-based, so not like a hero shooter. Like Overwatch. That's right. So okay. it's like an actual, more just like uh, story driven. Sure. Type. So you can play by yourself. You can okay. play with friends. It's all about like grinding for loot, getting better loot, continually upgrading. It originally launched, I think, on the. I couldn't have been the PS3. That seems too old. It launched. It's a, been this game has been around. Okay, for a while, so it launched like so a while back. So maybe it was a PS3 and uh, 360 game. That when it first came out was like met with middling reviews, but they've just continued to, the company's just continued to like iterate on it right and do constant updates. And so now it's like a fairly successful phenomenon. It's available on, you know, uh, Xbox, PlayStation, PC. Now it'll be on the Switch. The only thing with this is that there's no like uh, cross accounts. So, right. So it's something that we've been talking about recently with like Fortnite. And uh, like PlayStation sort of blocking out uh, cross-play and cross-progression with all the other platforms, uh, that's just never been part of. Yeah, there's no cross-progression, and I guess part of that is that like PC, as far as updates go, is like so far ahead Mm. of consoles. Yeah, so it wouldn't necessarily make sense to have your PC player on consoles or like the other way around. Um, but cool to see that happening. Bring more free-to-play, like, bring more phenomenon to the yeah. Switch. I think that's fine. Uh, although it should be noted that when I saw this headline, I was like, oh, Wargroove's finally coming out. No, this is Warframe. <laughs> Wargroove is never coming out. Wargroove will come out. No, nah, it's the new uh, it's the new Pocket, Pocket Rumble. Rumble. It was in that same Nindy's showcase <laughs> as Pocket Rumble. And now I have Pocket Rumble. I'm very happy with it. I will continue to love it for the rest of my life. Now, where's Wargroove? Uh, in an interview in the Washington Post, Super Smash Bros. director Masahiro Sakurai says he believes many players gave up on Super Smash Bros. Melee because it was uh, too difficult. Quote, I think a lot of Melee players love Melee, but at the same time, I think a lot of <laughs> players uh, gave up on Melee because it's too technical, because they can't keep up with it. And I know that there were a lot of players who got tendonitis from playing and messing with the controller so much. I feel like he's projecting a little bit there. Yeah, that's probably right. Um, that really is hard on the player, and I feel like a game should really focus on what the target audience is. So what is that target audience? And basically in the interview, he goes on to say that, you know, N- Nintendo appreciates uh, competitive gaming, but that is not necessarily who they are targeting their game towards. They don't, right. It's not for the hardcore Melee babies. So Melee babies, <laughs> it's... It's interesting because, like, obviously Nintendo has made a lot of steps towards, like, embracing competitive communities. In the last two E3s, they've had these, like, multiplayer tournaments uh, based around Splatoon and then also Smash this last year. And was there a a Smash tournament the year um, uh, Smash 4 was announced, too? 
something like that. They they've been like they've been embracing these communities a little bit more. So it does feel a little weird for Sakurai to be like, uh, we're we're not there to create tools for the ultra competitive gamer. Well, I so I don't think that's what he's saying. Okay. Um, my interpretation of it is that they are not going to. They're not pivoting towards melee, right? They're not looking yes. to melee as like. Oh, what we need to build is a super technical game that like um competitive gamers will really embrace. We're not building our game for competitive players. We are happy when the competitive scene embraces a game that we create. Like Splatoon is a great Splatoon 2 I think is a great example of what you were saying where they did like make it possible for Splatoon 2 to be an esport, but if but Splatoon 2 itself is super approachable. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I, I think that's like the the line that Nintendo is trying to walk where it's like, yeah, we would love for we love that Smash Brothers is a competitive game, but we're not building our game in a way that like it's not a technical fighter. Sure. Well and I wonder like if some of that is just uh like smoothing out the more like ultra exploitable edges of, of those games. So that like, you know, uh like wave dashing or um, what was it in Mario Kart on the uh, on the DS that you, snaking, where you could like you know drift in ways that just like whipped you around the track? Um, that like taking those things out so that there's not this like level of um, competitive play that's just galaxies beyond what a, a normal player can actually accomplish, and sort of just leveling the playing field. Like it feels like that's almost a an issue of more careful balance and curation, which I, I may be more consistent with Nintendo's identity anyway. Yeah, I think the idea is like instead of maybe building like an overly technical game, mm-hmm. it's allowing people to find the depth in the systems that you are creating. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, we talked about this. The Captain Toad Treasure Tracker is out on Switch and 3DS this Friday. You should, of course, tune in on Thursday when we pitch our uh, other occupations that Toad could possibly take. Hey, who knows what kind of job uh, a Toad has had in the past and what kind of fun game could spin out of that exactly we're gonna find out on thursday um but if you're itching to play the new areas like the super mario odyssey areas without having to play through the whole game you can unlock them immediately by using the wedding mario wedding peach and wedding bowser amiibo uh so i do think i may do this right away because i have those amiibo and i have played through this whole game before um so i may just tap them in and play those new levels um, and then probably remember that I'm in love with this game and play through the whole thing anyway. Uh, the Toad Amiibo will release an Invincibility Mushroom and any other Amiibo you have, including the breakfast cereal, uh, gives the little guy an extra life. Do you still have your box of the breakfast cereal? I do. <laughs> so do I. I mean, I ate all the cereal, of course, but I wanted I to have keep the box. The yep. <laughs> in a move that may be foretelling the end of the 3DS, uh, developer Alpha Dream, the studio behind the Mario and Luigi games, is recruiting for 2D and 3D artists for work on assets for games on Switch, mobile, and even PS4. Um, so the reason that this may be foretelling the end of the 3DS is that Alpha Dream and, you know, obviously the Mario and Luigi games have only been on uh, Nintendo handhelds. Uh, so the Game Boy Advance, the DS, and the 3DS, if they're suddenly recruiting for, uh, you know, Switch, it seems like they're probably going to leave the 3DS behind, right? Which is kind of what we've been hoping for these, um, a lot of the developers have been making projects for the 3DS, right? moving on to the Switch, and so you get the best of both worlds. Give on me one a Grezzo platform. game on Switch. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 
And of course, Mario and Luigi Browser's Inside Story plus Browser's Junior's Journey is due out in 2019. That is tough to say. Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story and Bowser Junior's Journey. It's a lot. Whew. Blame it on Bowser Jr. Mm-hmm. Always. Uh, the summer event for Fire Emblem Heroes has been announced, and it's called Sketchy Summer. Ugh. Ugh. And features characters in their bathing suits fighting at the beach. Okay. Ugh. What? Why? Well, we know why. I, but do So here's something I, that I don't think I have fully been able to grasp, right? Is how much Fire, em, Fire Emblem fandom seems to be centered around just uh lusting after these characters well we d- like it's we've the- talked a little bit about the waifu thing yeah it, well and it's the internet's joke that fire emblem got popular when they leaned into waifu but i think that the reason that there's truth in that joke yeah like this series exploded when that's c- kind of what like they leaned into a little bit yeah well, i mean it's just it's it, this feels gross, right? Yeah. Sketchy Summer feels gross. Sketchy Summer. They're calling it Sketchy Summer, which is obviously the worst part. Even if they just called it Sexy Summer, I feel like that would be better, right? Sketchy Summer implies I'm doing something You're a wrong. pervert. Yeah. I don't want to be a pervert. Not all the time. Um, but, like, this, the reason that I, I played um, Detroit Become Human on the uh, PlayStation 4 was that I was seeing a lot of fan art for a particular pairing in the game, Hank and Connor. Um, and I was like, that's cool. I like this. I like that the fan community has a ship that they're really into. Um, and so like, I was led to the game that way. Um, but it, in this, this dimension, I mean, it's obviously just because like, it's so sexualized and uh, seems so juvenile that I'm like, this is stupid. <laughs> I'm done with this. Not that I was ever in it to begin with, but like I'm just trying to. I'm wrestling with how I feel about the fandoms being like so horny about these characters. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, I'm fine with the fandom being horny about these characters. Sure. What I think is like what I'm less excited about mm-hmm. is Nintendo or the developers being like, yeah, we're gonna capitalize. Yes. Right. Quiet, shameful horniness <laughs> is something is different than. Uh, you know, using that to like make people buy gotcha coins or whatever. That's right. Nintendo Cartridge Society supports quiet, shameful, <laughs> uh, uh l- lusting after cartoon characters. <laughs> yeah, sure. as long as it's quiet. As long as it's quiet, just don't keep it down for your neighbors. Uh, WarioWare Gold, the upcoming 3DS WarioWare game comes with a new feature where you can redub the game's cutscenes using your own voice. This is awesome. This is amazing. I love this. Um, I remember on uh, uh, Warcraft 2, Tides of Darkness, um, you could change the uh, audio samples that they use for all the character voices when you clicked on them or commanded them to do something. And my friends and I thought this was great. And, you know, we would do, like, our impressions of Beavis and Butthead and, like, the grunts all talk like Beavis and uh, the Axe-throwers all sound like Butthead. It was awesome. I can't wait to do this with WarioWare. Too bad there's no good way to share content off of the 3DS. Yeah, really just no good way. Like, are you just supposed to take it door-to-door and, like, show show your friends? (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me, sir, do you have a minute to... Uh Hear my uh, redubbed cutscene for <laughs> WarioWare Gold. Finally, to Mark Splatoon 2's one-year anniversary, Nintendo has announced a new global Splatfest taking place Friday, July 20th from 9 p.m. Pacific time to Saturday, July 21st. Uh, also, 
so it ends at 9 p.m. Pacific time. 24 hours, basically. 24 hours. You get it. You've heard of a Splatfest before. It's Squid (laughs) versus Octopus. And during matches, if you're on Team Octopus, you'll be able to play as an Octoline, even if you don't have the Octo expansion. Uh Thus, I think, guaranteeing that everyone chooses Octolines and they lose. Yeah, so that seems like a weird choice, right? Like, if you choose Octoling, which I think everyone thinks is cooler anyway because it's, like, novel, um, then you also get to play as a character in the multiplayer that you have to, like, really work to earn by not just buying the Octo expansion, but sufficiently beating it, which I have still not done. Um, what, what, why would anyone choose Squid? Right. Yeah, exactly. Because you're smart and you know that everybody else is going to choose Octolane. That's right. So you suffer and do not play as an Octolane knowing that you will probably win the Splatfest. Look, so here's what we do. Here's what you and I do. We quietly and shamefully pick Squid. We don't bother anyone about it. Nope. We probably don't even play, but we get points anyway for being on what will probably be the winning team. Yep. All right. I love it. All right, Mark, let's get out of the news. Okay, that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. If you could please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, that would be lovely. If you like this episode, please uh, share it on social media platforms. Um, it helps us out a bunch. Check it us check us out on Playing Favorites. Yes, do that. We talk about The Empire Strikes Back. It's available right now. now. It's available right now. Um, do all of that. Uh, it's uh, a funny episode. Um, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell. And collectively, we are at Nincart Society. The Facebook page is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. If you like Mark and Mind's opinions, we write about comic books on retconpunch.com. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape at Betty. If you like Ape at Betty's music, you can go to apeatbetty.com or you can listen right now. From my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying... I. I don't I don't mean to shame anyone that's into the Fire Emblem or waifu. people from St. Louis. Right. Maybe we just need to delete this whole episode. We maybe offended too many people. Thanks for listening. Campfire.